You only have one life to live, so get the most out of it. On Good Life, Great Life, join me, Brian Highfield, and my guests as we share success stories, habits, mindsets, and lessons learned by successful people. These lessons are not taught in schools, but are critical for getting ahead in life. Whether you want a successful business or career, optimal health, or a lifestyle that most people just dream of, Good Life, Great Life has you covered. After retiring from a successful corporate career in my 40s, I founded multi-million dollar businesses in the sports and healthcare arenas. Now, I help everyday people maximize their lives and speak regularly at seminars, on podcasts, and radio shows to share principles on the topics of health, wealth, and happiness. Don't let a good life get in the way of a great life. Join me today on Good Life, Great Life. Awesome. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of Good Life, Great Life. So today we have with Mr. Vince Shorb. So Vince is the founder and CEO of the National Financial Educators Council, an organization that's dedicated to promoting financial literacy uh, education. So welcome to the program, Vince. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Great. And we want to get to know you a little bit, Vince. So give us a little bit of, uh, about your background and what led you into the, the finance arena. Yeah, I think what really inspired me was I had some early success with money, you know, investing in real estate. And I wasn't rich or secure or anything like that, but I was well ahead of my peers, right? And they started asking me questions. My parents' friends would ask me questions. And I really enjoyed that. That inspired me. Um, Went to college and made some mistakes, got into some debt and struggled for many, many years. And I really felt the pain, you know, the sleepless nights, the arguments with girlfriends, it was not being able to do those fun things with friends. It was painful to me. Um, it took me many years to recover from that. And during that time, people were still asking me questions. And I was like, I kind of felt like I thought I was on the right track, but I, I didn't feel that sense of, hey, I really belong here helping. Uh, so after college, I decided to get into financial services really to help people like myself and and others avoid the issues that I was in. Um, And just, I love talking about money and helping people with their finances. And after about 15 years in that space, financial services, uh, I I just felt unfulfilled. I felt like I was putting a Band-Aid on people's problems. Um, So I was in the real estate mortgage industry at the last. And and what they would do is they'd refinance, get them all taken care of, lower their payments, set them up on a save, you know, encourage them to save all that money. And, and three, six, eight months later, they'd say, I need another 50 grand, right? Um, I just felt like I was just a big cycle of really not helping people, but just doing some temporary support for them. And I went up to my parents, they live up in Montana, and I had a great conversation with my mom. And she said, you know, in high school, you were always so upset and frustrated. They never taught you about money. I was always the guy in the back of the class reading my dad's investment books. Or I was so into it. And she said, you were always into that. What about something like that? And, and from that conversation on, I completely changed the direction of my life. NFEC was founded. National Financial Educators Council was founded in 2006. And since then, I've been pursuing this passion project. And with the goal of helping people avoid those issues, so we work with kids, teens, helping them to avoid those issues, but also supporting those adults that were just like me and, and having other situations as well. So yeah, that's what led me here, and I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Awesome. So what what uh, what are some of the the biggest financial literacy problems that you're seeing out there? What are the most common things that people are struggling with? 
Yeah, I think the biggest one is just people live above their means, right? They want to live that good, great life now when they have, okay, I can get by life right now. And and there's it, it's tough because from childhood, we're inundated with advertisements, buy, 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 you need this to look cool and very highly sophisticated ads towards kids. It's not taught in schools with the amount of rigor we need. Parents aren't teaching their kids about money. So they're growing up feeling, hey, I need to keep up with the Joneses, but the Joneses nowadays are global and it's influenced. All these things are influencing people to really live above their means. And we see a lot of it with some of their larger expenses. They want to live in a much nicer place than they can afford. They want to have that car. I remember going to college in my beat up green Toyota pickup, 1970 Toyota pickup, dents all over, barely hanging on. Um, and you drive by college these days like Mercedes, <laughs> nice cars. So I think it's just that overconsumption at an age when we should be putting that money aside for, for that future great life. Yeah, and you see it all the time, right, with with people. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it with a lot of my customers before. You know, they'll show up in that brand-new Mercedes, be dressed to the nines, but they don't they don't have the money to – pay other expenses, uh, you know, for, for their, um, you know, for whatever they're, they're consuming. Um, so we, yeah, we see that and perfectly understandable, but I mean, people, where, where can they turn to get financial advice? I mean, right now they're getting it probably from not so good sources, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but where's, where are good places for them to go? It is very tough. You know, there's so much information the beauty of today, there's a lot of information, but that's also a problem if you can't go through and, and understand, hey, what's good guidance and what's not. Um, so when we look at the vast majority of Americans, you know, that, that 66% roughly that is um, either struggling or, or barely getting by. Um, really, when they're turning to people, it's typically salespeople trying to sell some sort of product. So if you're in uh, debt and you're searching, you might run across a bankruptcy site. So you go, do bankruptcy. You search a little more, you're in a debt consolidation site. Okay, do debt consolidation. So it's really tough to get that independent advice without uh, having knowledge and knowing what the options are. Now, I'm a little biased here, but we train financial educators and coaches, and those are great places to turn. And when I say educator, that extends to people like yourself, other podcasters, hosts, you know, those people producing good quality content without ulterior motives. So one of the things we tell people, say, what is their end objective? And, and you can tell a lot from how things are shaped. So finding those independent people, whether it's sitting in a class with one of our educators, meeting one of our coaches, or just having a trusted family member that you know uh, has made good moves and successful and, and maybe not even successful and defined by everyday standard terms, but hey, they're living a life that they enjoy and have money for it so they feel secure and can take care of their family and do those things, right? Uh, so finding those people, getting those answers and, and, and so forth. Now, the upper percent of, of the population obviously has more financial advisors and mortgage brokers, means people that can give more specific guidance in one area that they're focused in. Um, but I still think it's valuable to have that knowledge for yourself so that, hey, if your financial advisor tells you, let's let's make this investment, right? You're not laying in bed at night going, is that the right thing for me, right? You need to know. So it adds that security for people. 
Yeah. And so it helps to have someone in your corner that, like you said, let you trust uh, so you can you can sleep well at night and, and not second guess decisions you may make. What um, so a lot of I mean, most people, let's face it right now, are kind of living paycheck to paycheck um living probably like you said living above their means um what so in a general case what is the first thing that uh you would you would advise someone to do or or what are some of the general things the some of the general principles that you would give that person uh to get out of that situation and maybe really start looking towards their future yeah we we try to simplify it first i think people feel overwhelmed by personal finance and, and really, it's not that difficult of a subject, but there's behaviors, habits, perhaps, you know, really damaging emotional situations people have gone through. You know, people have seen their parents lose their home for money or they've struggled and, and just had, you know, divorced because of money. So, um, you know, the first thing is to simplify it, right? It's not that, you know, it's not mysterious. Here's the things we need to focus on. And really it comes down to the big ones are, how much we're able to, to save per month, right? And that's basically income and expenses. So we try to simplify it so then they can see the big picture and what we're trying to help and what, how we're trying to help them accomplish that. Um, and then just also, you know, let them know that, hey, we're not making logical decisions all the time. And coming in as an educator from, you know, and even in my financial service career, I'm very analytical, very logical. I like processes. I like, you know, uh, details. I'm not exact numbers. I'm not the engineer exactly. I don't need things down to penny, but I like logic. I like that. And early on, I was explaining finance with logic. But what I realized is I was doing a bad disservice for logic because it's not a logical decision for most people. It's emotional, that behavioral side. Um, so really letting them know, hey, there's things that we should do. And this is probably the best way. But there's things that you're you're going to be you know withdrawing from right it's like a withdrawal and i always relate money just like weight loss right because it's not an immediate overnight thing um there's going to be some pain there's going to be some times you mess up and you go have that cheesecake or you go spend that you know extra 50 bucks that you don't have um so simplifying it letting them know hey there's going to be ups and downs and even if you get everything right it's not always a guarantee uh, of success. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish there was a golden egg. Here you go. Do these steps. You're going to get there. Uh, but as you know, being a business owner, it's like there's things that happen. Um, and we need to have that confidence to react quickly and do that if we can simplify it and just help people understand that, hey, identify, is this an emotional decision or is it a thoughtful, logical decision? I think those are the, the foundation of what we do. Yeah. And uh, I mean, let's talk about the root of the issue. I mean, we, we're not we're not educating kids um, uh, really at all. I mean, financial literacy, I mean, basic concepts, I mean, home economics class. I don't even know if they teach that <laughs> in school anymore. Um, and I run into, you know, when I, I coach high school sports and I ran into 18 year old girls who n have never written a check. They didn't know how to write a check. Their mom gave them a check to fill in the amount. And they're showing to me like, what what do I do with this? I mean, what's where's the problem? Yeah, I would say it, it, it starts in the home, right? We we need to, in in a lot of parents think they teach us in school, they don't. Right? Uh, so start from home, parents. We need to start teaching kids young. Uh, a couple interesting studies. Brown University put out a study on work ethic. So work ethic habits start to form by age nine. 
um, and, and financial habits, a study from Cambridge University points to age seven. Again, those factors I mentioned before, advertisers and, and social influencers, et cetera, have a, have a major impact there. So at that age, they're forming these habits. So the parents, we need to start shaping those early. I would suggest a, a system of chores where they're contributing to the household bills, saving money. Um, but it's critical as well that schools are involved. I mean, we're teaching such outdated subjects. We've been teaching the subject for 100 years. We have computers that, once we have computers at this capacity, it should have completely revamped the entire subject matter that we teach, but it hasn't. And money is a subject that benefits 100% of students. If we look at topics above the high school level, you know, the numeracy, the literacy at the younger age, you need that just to, to survive in the world. But when we look at that, that's, uh, you know, for, for an engineer, maybe you do need that higher level math, algebra two, trig, statistics. Um, but for the average worker, the average person, they don't need that, right? For, for me, I never needed science. I don't know why I had to balance a periodic table of elements or dissect a frog. I don't know why I had to do that because I never needed it, right? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that are being taught that benefit such a small percentage of students. Even the STEM subjects, they point to about 15 to 20% will really benefit. The rest are just sitting through. And I have friends in high school, I remember that were just, struggling with the subjects and they were so brilliant in other areas. One guy, remember a great mechanic could build all this stuff, fix any type of car, but he was just struggling and, 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 you know, just made him feel really bad and not, not worth, you know, worth anything. But money is a very simple subject we can teach. Every kid get it. And they're excited to learn about it when we present it in a way with, here's what you want to do. Here's the vision for your life. Let's get you there. Uh, they, I think they feel it's practical and it's something that we're pushing to get into schools as well. Yeah, and it just reminds me of some phrases, you know, money isn't everything, but it ranks right up there with oxygen. We we need it to live. And uh, <laughs> and it really affects everything that's important in our lives. I mean, our, our education, our health, um, you know, money is a direct uh, direct relationship to, to all those things that are important in our lives. And I don't think um, people really see that. Like you said, what's important to them, what's the top of their list is, you know, do I have the latest and greatest uh, handbag or, you know, car or sneakers or, or whatever, and, and not really looking at, at the other aspects of money that impact their lives. Um, I mean, health insurance is crazy expensive right now. Um, and, and, uh, you know, here in Florida, uh, just homeowners are just owning a home and, and the ongoing expenses of, of owning a home. And, uh, I think, uh, I think a lot of people are living for the here and now and, and not understand, understanding or really appreciating the, the long-term impact of money has on their lives. Yeah. And even for those day-to-day -day things, you know, it's, uh, I, we worked with a group, uh, that taught underserved kids from a county 20, 30 miles away. And uh, we brought them to the beach for a career exploration, financial literacy. And uh, I forget the exact number, but about 75% of them, and this is their parents and, and their children, never been to the beach. Why? Because gas, parking, it costs money, trunks. They never been. To, so it was like, it was a whole new world for them. It was so exciting to see, but I'm like, that's 20 miles away. And because of, of you know this experience of of you know being blessed there and having this opportunity, they would have missed that experience completely. Um, and it's for you know less than a hundred dollars, but for a lot of people that is a, a major hit on their finances. So 
Um, you know, I, I want people to have experience with their family, their friends, you know, hey, put those in, it's nice to look at all this stuff, but, you know, there's more important things. And I think, yeah, we're a financial literacy company, um, but I don't really see money out of that. I see it as a, a wellness of, of how you can live as being able to meet your minimum uh, ability to have the security and, and overall needs met um, while still being able to look toward the future with excitement. Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point because, um, and this is kind of a, a side thing, but uh, people getting outside their norm and experiencing things to see that there's a broader world out there. And and I see that it expands people's goals out there. Um, you know, for me personally, uh, I grew up in a very small town, but it wasn't until I got outside that and I visited my brother who was going to a military academy and, and seeing that there's a whole world out there and my whole my whole outlook as far as my goals changed at that point and you know, including my financial goals in order to, to achieve that. So just getting people outside of their bubble can, can be eye opening. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, yeah, like you said, uh, I'm going to use that saying that money's not as important as auction. It's pretty close, but uh, I love that saying. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you credit the first few times that I'm taking it. <laughs> I, I stole it from someone, so I can't take credit. <laughs> Awesome. So uh, what? where can people uh, get in touch with you or learn more about what you do? Maybe they have some needs themselves or they want to be an advocate such as yourself to really promote financial literacy. Uh, where can they go to find out more information? Yeah, thanks for that. Anybody called to promote financial wellness in your community, uh, we love to help you and support you toward that goal. Our main website is financialeducatorscouncil.org. You can always reach me on LinkedIn as well at Vince-Shorb, S-H-O-R-B, and it'd be great to connect with you. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, any last thoughts, Vince, before we wrap up? No, I just wanted to uh, appreciate you. And uh, again, I thank you for your professionalism. I, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I missed a, a meeting with uh, Mike last week. My calendar was, was messed up. <laughs> I didn't realize it until the next day. I thought he was the one at fault. And he said, hey, it must be a Zoom thing. Just so gracious. And that's a, such a professional way to do it. And we, we resolved it. I, I found out the next day I was completely embarrassed. Sent him an email. Hey, I'm so sorry I missed that. But, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I think you're a great example of how you live a professional life and just that etiquette. I really appreciate it. And, and I'm a fan. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Vince. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for being a guest uh, on our program. Our, our guest today has been Vince Shorb, the founder and CEO of the National Financial Educators Council. Thank you so much again, Vince. Hey, thanks again. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.